Welcome to our first Fordham HR podcast series. In this episode, you'll hear from HR expert and senior manager of employee and labor relations, Gulai Susius, and the special assistant to Fordham's president, Mike Trevotola, speak about what Fordham is doing to establish and reinforce a culture of health, safety, and shared responsibilities. This episode will also touch on Fordham's continual health screening process and policies applicable to all employees during these times. You're listening to Just the Facts with Dr. Corbin Wong. Good morning, Gulai. Thanks for uh, joining me uh, to chat about Vital Check, which is our screening um, platform that we're going to be using at Fordham. Um, so I figured we would get started just by the basics. How do we, uh, as employees, sign up for Vital Check? Yes. Hi. Good morning, Mike. And it's my pleasure to be here with you um, recording this podcast. Uh, it's a very easy process. We typically receive notification from the department uh, about the individuals that should be, you know, uploaded into the program so they can get the clearance and access on campus. So it's a simple email notification to HR. Okay, great. And then I'll receive an email that tells me to sign up for it? Yes, you will receive a notification uh, from HR that explains the whole process step by step and what to expect once you register with VitalCheck. And you will also receive uh, an email and a text from VitalCheck with a link that also you know, allows you to register if the employee is cleared to return to campus every day, typically in the morning uh, before the employee arrives on campus, they will receive a text message and an email and they can decide which, you know, um, uh, outlet to use. And there, there is a, you know, simple, you know, questionnaire, three, four questions, again, to make sure that the individual is not symptomatic or has not been exposed. And you just click one button for one answer, yes or not. And then you will receive a QR barcode that you can present at the entrance of uh, the campus to public safety if you're asked to, you know, do so. And that gives you the clearance to access our campuses on a daily basis. Okay. So, and that sounds pretty easy. So I'm just going to get either a text message or an email. And I assume if I didn't have a smartphone, I would do it through email rather than doing it through text message. Absolutely, yes. It's not an app, right? It's a a website. No, 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 no. It is not an app. That's why they either email you the link for you to do the daily questionnaire or you will receive it by text message. You receive both and you decide which, you know, um, link you want to use, either text or email. Mm -hmm. So I can use one or the other. Okay, perfect. Right. Yes. I don't have to submit both each day, just one way or the other. No, exactly. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay, great. What about the days that I'm not planning to come to campus? Do I still have to submit it? Will I get notified every single day? Yes, uh, you would. So we set up the uh, program in a way that uh, everybody will receive the um, questionnaires even on weekends or holidays. And the reason being is, uh, first of all, we care for the well-being of our employees. 
every day, even when they're not at work. And also this will allow us, let's say, if an employee becomes symptomatic on a Saturday when, you know, it's the weekend and they're home, if they notify vital check and university that they have symptoms, that will allow us to trigger the contact tracing um, protocols. You know, that's why we would like to be notified if anything changes in the employee's, um, you know, health. Absolutely. So that, that actually brings up two, two good questions is mm-hmm. if I, obviously, if I, if I click that I'm feeling well, I get the QR code, but what happens if I f- click on the vital check that I'm not feeling well? Well, we track all the information on a dashboard. So we will be notified if somebody is not clear to, you know, return the campus. Eventually, we will also delegate portion of the dashboards to, you know, areas and departments because HR doesn't have the, you know, capability to track thousands and thousands of employees on a daily basis. So the department will be just notified, cleared or not cleared. No medical information is shared at all. Uh, Just HR will see that information. And once we see that the employee is not clear or if the employee reports that, you know, they were exposed or or anything, then again, we do uh, start, you know, contact tracing protocols. I typically or somebody from HR will call the employee for a quick, uh, you know, intake to see what's going on. Do they need any help? Um, and then, as I said, and then the contact tracing uh, might start depending on the circumstances. That's great. And we'll go back to the contact tracing in a little bit, but I want to mm-hmm. finish up on vital check first. Yes. So it, what happens if I forget one day to submit the vital check screening? Is, uh, and, yeah, yes. what, what, what happens? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good question. So... If once forget to, you know, reply via text or email to the link for the daily questionnaire, uh, the next day you will not receive a new text or a new email and the information will be indicated in the dashboard that, you know, um, the previous day the questionnaire was sent to the employee, no response yet. So somebody so it will be either the department if they have access to the dashboard or hr can manually retrigger the questionnaire to be resent to the employee and we do this because if you miss one day we don't want you to you know receive the clearance on campus until we mm. hear from you and know that you know everything is well and and, and it could happen you know maybe it's mm-hmm. the weekend and you forget to answer the questionnaire okay that's good to know um, uh-huh. so it, Obviously, I'm I'm receiving this questionnaire at the beginning of the day, but um, you know, I I may not have COVID nineteen like symptoms at the start of the day, and I may develop mm-hmm. them through the day. If right. I'm on campus already, or even if I'm at home and I've uh-huh. already completed the form for the day, is there yeah. someone I should contact? How how what, what should I do? Yes, yes, it's an excellent question. Thank you, Mike. Yes, we want you to inform um, the university immediately. You can call Public Safety. They are open 24-7. Their number is 718-817-2222. If it's Monday to Friday working hours, you can contact HR. You can contact me. And uh, you should also let your supervisor know that you're not feeling well. And again, once we receive the notification, we look at, you know, what happened, where was this employee, were they on campus, were they in contact with others, the contact tracing might be triggered. And so uh, prompt notification is the best way for us to, you know, look at, uh, at everything at, at once. 
Okay, great. I think that that sort of leads us into to the next section, which is about um, sick leave and not coming to campus if, mm-hmm. you know, either an employee tests positive for COVID-19 or they have COVID-19-like symptoms. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about how, how that works, how sick leave works in this scenario? Yes, sure. So the sick leave works, a little, we have different, you know, scenarios dep- depending, you know, what is the occurrence, uh, what job classification one is. For instance, if an employee is a faculty member, uh, in that case, it's recommended that they contact their dean or the office of the provost and they, you know, uh, make ar- arrangements for their schedules because, you know, they're teaching. Uh, for the other professional classifications such as staff uh, and administrators. Uh, New York State says that if somebody receives an order for self-quarantine or self-isolation, the employer should continue to pay their salary for 14 calendar days, which is our practice since, uh, you know, the um, legislation was issued. So the first two weeks, basically, one will be home self-isolating and uh, for them continues um, their salary. And we do not use uh, the employee's sick time. Now, as I said, there could be different scenarios. It could happen that an employee is exposed at Fordham. And so uh, in that case, we are asking the employee, you know, to self-isolate and we will not charge their sick time. We will continue their, you know, pay. Uh, what happens if the same employee is exposed again? Mm. Uh, same thing, because we are asking them to stay home and self-isolate. The pay will continue. We are not going to touch their sick time. Now, if somebody gets exposed outside of Fordham and, and they notified the first occurrence, according to New York State, yes, it's going to be a paid absence. But further occurrences, again, we will look case by case to see what happened. But, you know, we might then ask an employee to use their own time. But as I mm-hmm. say, every case is, is, you know, particular. So we look at them one, one by so- one. So if somebody has a, an, a unique case, they should contact HR. Should it be Absolutely. you or is it somebody else in HR? They can contact me or any colleague in, in HR and we'll help them. Okay, that's great. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, you, you, you've answered um, part of this, which is that you'll still continue to be paid for that 14 days. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if... If you're able to continue your work at home, I assume you should if you haven't, if you're not actually sick, if you've been exposed. Now, mm-hmm. what happens if you can't continue your work at home? I assume the, the pay would be the same, right? Right. So if the, uh, the self-quarantine is for, uh, let's say, an administrator and they've just been exposed, but they're feeling well, uh, if they can can continue working remotely from home absolutely they should you know stay home quarantine hopefully uh, nothing will happen and and they are working so it's you know regular pay nothing changes there are some positions unfortunately by the nature of the duties that might not you know allow for an employee to perform their duties remotely so in that case again We'll look at, you know, each singular case and we'll try to find the best solution without, you know, creating a burden to the employees. So, Gula, you you mentioned two terms and I think it might be helpful to define what they mean um, just so people know the difference. What is the difference between quarantine and isolation? Yes. Thank you, Mike. It's a very good question. Um, 
the term self-quarantine, we refer to that when somebody might have been exposed to the virus and so they are notified and they should, you know, remain home, avoid going outside and, you know, monitor for symptoms. Self-isolation is a term that is used when one has been exposed and does show symptoms. In that case, it is recommended that the individual, you know, completely isolates, uh, if, especially if they live with uh, other members in the household. It's uh, recommended if they can to, you know, have their own room, if possible, have their own bathroom and to self-isolate until, you know, uh, the doctor uh, determined that the individual is no longer contagious. Uh, the minimum, I believe, the recommended time frame is still those, you know, 14 days. That's why we always, you know, say mm. self-quarantine or self-isolate for at least 14 days. That's good to know. Thank you mm-hmm. um, for that. And Gulai, so the final question I have is something that you mentioned earlier. It's about contact tracing. Um, you mentioned that that was going to be done if someone tests positive in the Fordham campus. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that means? Yes, yes, Mike. So contact tracing can occur if somebody is exposed to the virus, then we will, you know, uh, talk to the individual, see when the exposure occurred and, you know, again, self-isolate, self-quarantine, or if somebody reports that they tested positive for the virus again we will try to determine was this person on campus recently did they have contact with other employees or member of the communities and then we might have to you know talk to them and depending on you know the type of contact that occurred uh, the length of the contact did they have social distancing when mm. did the you know contact occur was it the day before or 10 days before so those are all you know parameters that we look and to determine if you know further action is needed right now is a manual process that is handled between uh, human resources public safety and the uh, student health centers but we're looking to um, find a vendor that can provide this capability on a digital platform because once we reopen campus and we're going to have uh, thousands of students and employees, uh, it's going to be very you know, challenging to do this task uh, manually. So um, if and when we find a vendor, it will be promptly communicated to all, the whole community on how to you know, go on the contact tracing platform. That's great. Well, Gulai, that's all the questions that I have for right now. So thank you so much for joining me today to answer some of these questions. Oh, you're very welcome. It was my pleasure, Mike. I I hope uh, it was helpful for uh, for you and for uh, whoever is going to listen to this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to our first ever episode of Just the Facts. Special thanks to Gulai and Mike for serving as our guests. Until next time, I hope you have a wonderful day.